It's your girl, Ellie, back again with another episode of Oh Shoot. We are chatting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 today, and I'm very excited because there are a lot of little moments that I appreciate about this movie. Now, it doesn't rank that high on my list of MCU movies, but I do appreciate a lot of aspects of this movie as well as characters which is why this episode will have a bit of focus on our characters and some of the relationships they have with others. That's something I find very important about these movies, the relationships between characters. These add so much to the movies, and they also add a lot of depth to the characters. Seeing how they interact with others, whether that be family, friend, foe, or stranger— And not only that, but what they are able to take away from these relationships and how they affect their lives. For some, these relationships have an impact on the trajectory of their lives and the paths that they choose to take. So on that note, let's start with Gamora and Nebula. These two have a wild relationship with a lot of ups and downs. They were raised as sisters, but literally in the most (laughs) unconventional way, and they have a lot of spite towards another, particularly with Nebula towards Gamora. There was hardly any love there, or that's pretty much how it seemed. And this had to do a lot with how Thanos treated them both. He favored Gamora, and that was no secret at all. Nebula honestly was the black sheep of the family, you know, the quote-unquote family, I guess, more than anything. And she did feel a little isolated. Gamora was always put on a pedestal and, you know, was told that she was the best and was told that she was better. And Nebula was just pushed down to the bottom. Thanos just very simply did not value her as much. And her experiences and the way she was treated ultimately pushed her to resent Gamora. And then on the flip side, I definitely wouldn't go to say that Gamora held a lot of ill will towards her sister. You know, they butted heads many, many times, but at the end of the day, Gamora did have a lot of care for Nebula. And you could see this countless times where, you know, she would make the choice to protect Nebula or to save her. Now, in this movie, they had gone through a lot of different experiences that led them to where they are. They still naturally butt heads, and it's certainly made out that they will kill each other at any given second if necessary. But I honestly don't think that's the case. And we do get a moment where they fight each other on Ego's planet and Nebula nearly kills Gamora, but she doesn't. Then Nebula is just excited because she finally bested Gamora in combat after countless times where she's lost to her. And then Gamora brings up how she has saved Nebula's life and that the match was unfair. Therefore, Nebula did not actually beat her. And now Nebula is angry. She has been for a while. She's angry that Gamora would always win the fights that Thanos would create between the two, which always resulted in Nebula constantly being upgraded every time she lost. Nebula makes a claim that she's only wanted a sister. And Gamora is basically the only family she's ever known. All of this leads to an alliance between the two. And it's really a moment where the relationship changes. They're allies now, and they are willing to work together. 
And then towards the end of the movie, they have another conversation where Gamora tells her that she was so concerned with staying alive every day that she never stopped to consider what Thanos was even doing to Nebula. You know, not really realizing that they were sort of in the same boat. Thanos created weapons out of both of them. Anything he did was not for their good. And then at the end, Gamora encourages Nebula to join them so they can work together to ensure that no one else's daughters share the same fate as them. Nebula chooses instead to go off and find Thanos to kill him. Ultimately, of course, would prevent others from sharing their fate. And it's in this moment the two have finally reconciled and they share a hug. And I love it so much. The way we see their relationship develop is one of my absolute favorite things. And it carries on into Infinity War. Now, I definitely have to say what happens in Endgame where we have 2014 Gamora entering the picture, it opens the possibility to again see them become sisters once more properly. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty because obviously this Gamora did not go through everything our original timeline Gamora went through. So with Volume 3 coming out, it'll be very interesting to see the dynamic she has with Nebula and the rest of our Guardians. The next relationship I want to talk about is the one between Peter and Yondu. Now, of course, we know that Yondu and his men were hired by Ego to retrieve Peter from Earth and bring him to him. Obviously, that didn't happen. And that is because Yondu knew that the other children he had delivered to Ego were murdered by him. So he made the choice to keep Peter and raise him as a Ravager. Now, they did develop a fairly close bond over the years, and we got some really great moments throughout the first movie where we got a look into their bond. Now, at the end of that movie, they separate once more. In this one, Yondu and his clan are hired by Aisha to hunt down the Guardians who had stolen batteries from her. During all of this, there is a lot of discourse between his clan. Many of his men believe that he's gone soft over the years, and even Kraglin then brings up how Yondu always protects Peter whenever he is involved. So all of this leads to a mutiny, and he's overpowered by all those who participated, led by Taserface. He was taken and put into a cell along with Rocket and Groot, and this is where he learns that Peter is with Ego, and he is immediately concerned because he knows what happens to Ego's children. He knows of Ego's true nature. So they make their escape and they make their way to Ego's planet literally just in time to save Peter. They work together to destroy Ego's core, and I really do love seeing Yondu fighting alongside the Guardians. It's amazing, which all leads to the moment that makes me cry. Yondu stays behind to save Peter. This is his true hero sacrifice moment, the moment where his story comes full circle. He gives Peter the spacesuit and tells him, he may have been your father boy, but he wasn't your daddy. I'm sorry. I didn't do none of it right. I'm damn lucky you're my boy. And this is such a significant moment for Peter because he's gone through his life always wondering who his father was. And in this moment, he finally got to meet him finally discovered a part of who he is. And unfortunately, Ego didn't turn out to be much of a father figure because he didn't truly look at Peter as his son. His true father figure, his true dad, was always Yondu. And this is probably one of the most heartbreaking moments throughout the MCU, and it's a loss that sticks with you. 
And it's so shitty that it was this moment where the realization really set in and that bit of acceptance came through. It's horrible that they had to go through an experience like this to realize it, especially with Peter, because there was a lot of hope in meeting Ego. And of course, Ego didn't turn out to be good at all. He didn't turn out to be the father that Peter always wondered about. And I almost wish we got just a little bit more of Yondu and Peter. And I almost wonder what Infinity War would have been like if Yondu hadn't died at the end of this movie. Which also leads me to think about what would have happened during the snap. And I fully believe that Yondu would have been one to survive the snap. And that would have been devastating. A devastating moment seeing him watch Peter dust away. It def- like The impact of it probably would have been very similar to seeing Peter dust. Peter Parker dust, of course, in that moment with Tony's reaction. Oh man, it would have hurt a lot, a lot, a lot. I honestly don't even know why I thought about that. <laughs> um, I've just, I've just really grown to appreciate Yondu's character, and deep down, he does have a good heart, and you can see, you can see it through little moments with the way he acts or the way he speaks, and you always see that he cares for Peter and has viewed him as a son. And as well, when it came to the situation of him delivering Ego his children, he did feel shame and he did feel remorse for being a part of it. And when Stakar banished him, he did feel that he deserved the punishment for what he did and his part in it, because he wasn't unaware of what Ego was doing. He wasn't ignorant of that truth. But he did atone, and he was given a proper Ravager send-off after his death. Now, one of the last things I wanted to discuss is the end of the movie, because we get this little clue to a new character that would be joining the MCU. We see Aisha and a birth pod, which contains a male being inside. And when she's questioned about it, she states that she's going to name him Adam, which of course is referring to his character, Adam Warlock, who we will be seeing in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Now, I know, very, I know a little bit about his character. I did do some reading about Adam Warlock after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I know I've seen a lot of conversation online as well since the announced, well, I would say more rather say, since the confirmed announcement of his character being a part of the next movie. And I... I know there's a lot of question of how his character is going to be portrayed and, you know, how close to comic book accurate it'll be. But, you know, I guess we'll have to wait till see till, you know, more information comes out or even just waiting until the movie comes out. But what I really want to discuss is the casting because Will Poulter will be portraying this character and I am beyond excited for him to join the MCU. I love Will so much. I think he is absolutely incredibly underrated. And while many do just sort of refer to him as the eyebrow kid, some completely underlook his skill and his talent as an actor. He's going to do incredibly in this role. I already know he's going to be absolutely amazing, which does lead me to my next point. And I want to discuss this matter about some of the stuff I have seen on his appearance, which has been incredibly disrespectful and When images came out and he suddenly had this more conventional beauty to him, the conversation suddenly flipped and he's now seen as this very attractive man, which 
he has always been attractive and it's just so shitty to see the way people were talking about him because like just seriously the conversation when the casting initially came out it was not positive people were going on and on about how he doesn't fit the bill he looks nothing like the character and blah 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 but then you know his quote-unquote new look comes out and suddenly he's perfect for the role And it's something that's just very irritating to me. And I absolutely hate seeing these conversations. And I hope that in the future, we don't see things like this happen. And I don't know, maybe it's asking a bit much, but you know, maybe, just maybe people will be a little more accepting and won't make these assumptions or make these judgments when it comes to casting. Now, the very last thing I want to talk about quickly is the soundtrack, because damn if it ain't one of my absolute favorite things about these movies. The music is just way too good. And there are songs I listen to all the time. And, on, and you know, kind of thinking and comparing to volume one, I think I listen to these ones a lot more. And, you know, I'm just sitting and thinking about the playlists I have and the songs that are on them. Like, I'm pretty sure I've heard Fox on the Run, Lakeshore Drive, and Surrender so many times this year alone. And I'm just so stoked for volume three so I can see what songs they choose for that. Because I already know they're going to be amazing. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find me at Oh Shoot Podcast. And it would be so amazing if you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review. And hey, if you ever want to chat movies or just life, my DMs are always open and I love connecting with each and every one of you. Until the next episode, stay nerdy, friends.